So it is good to be here and uh, honoring Matt and Katie and the leadership team and, and the congregation, all of you that uh, do the work and the prayer and the worship day in and day out, amen, to progress the kingdom of God in this community and in our community on both campuses. And uh, good news, uh, both campuses are experiencing growth, especially among the youth and the children. And how many of you know that's a wonderful thing? Amen. I am so glad to see so many young people here today, college age, uh, children, young people. And I know you have, no doubt, a lot of kids in church this morning downstairs. And uh, if the church don't reach youth, we might as well hang it up because it won't last very long and it won't go on. So um, one of my uh, greatest heart joys has been uh, Pastor Matt and Katie and the team willing to uh, take on the campus in Jerseyville, uh, which I established in 1992. And, um, you know, you pour your life and your soul into a, a work, into a purpose and a vision, you want to see it last. You want to see it grow and be fruitful. And uh, you, the last thing you want to see is it just go by the wayside. And I can tell you a lot of churches uh, cease to exist because there's not an influx of youth and ministry and the life of God. I really appreciate Pastor Matt and... Um, his vision that he is instilling in both campuses. And I want to open this morning <clears throat> and talk to you a little bit about vision. And uh, the, I really want to zero in on today on the benefits of finding the purpose of God in your life and just walking it out and living it out. And I'm going to be sharing here after I get through with my introduction, which sometimes takes a little bit. But I want I see a guy got me up here plenty early today. But. I am usually not very long-winded. I usually uh, get right to what I want to do. But I want to talk to you about vision a little today and then the purpose of God in your life. And sometimes it's plural and usually purposes of God in your life. And I just want to encourage you. Um, I looked up the word devotion, and it means ardently, which that word means glowing or on fire. Loyalty, uh, dedicated, committed, um, just being on fire for God. If you as to evaluate yourself this morning and your, your love for Jesus and the church, would you say you're pretty much on fire for God? Amen. Come on now. It's got, there's got to be a few more than that. I've been at it for a long time, and I still love the Lord probably more than I ever have. Because the older I get, the more I have to lean on him. God said, I called you young men because you're strong. I called you old men because you're wise. Now, I used to be, David said, I used to be young, but now I'm old. Amen. So as I get older, I need the Lord more and more. Because as a young man, you have a tendency to lean on your own strength and your own muscles and your own zeal. And, oh boy, I used to do that. And uh, it's kind of like the doctrine of healing. When you're young, you preach the doctrine of healing with faith and gusto from a platform of health. But when you get older and the body starts wearing out and things start going wrong, you still preach it from faith and health and wisdom instead of just strength. Amen. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? But it's still, the word of God is still true. And we stand on that word. So I want to talk to you a little bit about vision, and then we'll ease into this message from there. And as you focus on the word of God today, focus on Jesus and the word, not on me. Uh, I'm just a dumb country boy. And um, God, for some reason, chose me to be a pastor. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind about that. Um, I've tried to quit it, tried to get out of it. Tried to talk God out of it, and he just never would go for it. I'm just telling you the way it is. But if, if, if you find your purpose, and it's what God wants you to do, and I want to say it's not hard to find your purpose in God. 
It's not this mysterious, complicated thing that you've got to sweat and strive and pray and try to figure out what in the world does God want me to do. With me, and I don't even know if I'll get to this vision part, but with me this morning, uh, I was 18 years old, lost as any 18-year-old, didn't really have much purpose. I guess I had the, the purpose that most youth would have. I wanted a fast car, a hot girl, and a lot of money. I mean, that's where my life was, and I was focusing on jobs and cars and, and girls. And uh, as far as having a purpose in my life, I had no purpose. I had no real meaning in my life. And if you're here today and you're not saved, the best way I could describe getting saved to you is when you accept Jesus Christ and realize you're a sinner and you're lost, and Jesus died for your sins and wants to save you, when you say, Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me of my sins, your human spirit that has been asleep for however long you've lived, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God moves in your human spirit, and you're awake, baby. All of a sudden, you have a... I never thought... Do you think I went around when I was 17 and 18 thinking about God? I wasn't thinking about God. He was the furthest thing from my mind. But all of a sudden, when I received Christ... Christ became the center of my life. God became the vocal point of my life. And my life began to take on purpose and meaning greater than I could have ever imagined or I had an idea for. And I believe when you get saved and give your heart to the Lord, if your heart's right and you'll humble yourself to God, to the leadership, I humble myself to my pastor, and whatever my pastor wanted done that I could do, just like I told Matt last week when he called me, I could have been in my recliner today. I could have been in Jerseyville campus today, just sitting there cooling it. I could have been getting ready for the big football game later on today. Come on now. But I said, Pastor Matt, I'd be glad to serve you any way I can. And if you want me down at Waterloo campus, I'll be there this morning. And you know, I've, I've had that attitude and I'm not boasting on myself. I'm boasting on the Lord, how he changed my heart and came into my life and, and just made everything different in my world. And as I serve my pastor and I serve the church with all of my heart, God began to reveal and bring forth his purpose in my life. It wasn't something that I had to struggle for and strive for, but I, as I was obedient, I began to eat the fat of the land, the good of the land, as I was just willing and obedient. And through that, I started teaching Sunday school in my car at about 18 years old because we didn't have a classroom. We'd go out in the car, so I actually bought a bigger car so I could hold more teenagers. And uh, we would go out there when the pastor would dismiss us, and I would teach those kids. And a lot of those kids today are still serving God. One of them in our church, Randy Abbott and Penny, Randy was in that car with me, and he was one of those car students. And so I, I just started doing whatever I could to serve the church. And as I served, within a couple years, I came home one day, and my wife never did play an instrument, and I come home one day, and she had a cutout keyboard of cardboard, of a piano on her lap playing the cardboard keyboard. And that's how she learned to play the piano. And one day I came home and she had my guitar and she was playing lead guitar. So she started playing lead guitar, accordion, and keyboard. I started playing rhythm guitar and pretty soon we were leading in worship and praise. And we did that for about five years and had a ball while we was doing it. Guy, I'd play the strings right off of the guitar. I did it many, many times. We would just worship and praise and sing, and the Spirit of God would move. Pe people were touched and healed and filled with the Spirit, and just a lot of wonderful things happened. And after serving God in that capacity for about five years, the pastor came to me one day, my pastor, and he said, how would you like to pastor this church? And I about passed out. 
I said, what? And he said, yeah. He said, I want you to pray about it and think about it, you and your wife, because God's calling me on to Alton to pastor, and I need you to go ahead and take this little country church. We didn't even own the building. It was a community building. And so my wife and I prayed about it, and we thought about it, and I told him, yes, we would be glad to do that. The same time I was doing carpenter work and my boss almost the same time came to me and said, I would like for you to go in partnership with me full time and you'll make a lot more money and uh, you'll just be, you know, my right hand man and uh, you'll do real well. So I went to my pastor and I said, this is what's happened. And he said, well, he said, the scripture says, be not unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And he said, God has other things in plan for you. So prophetic word. God has other things in store for you, so you should turn that job down to full-time and just stay part-time and let God progressively work in your life. So that's what I did. I built a good relationship with my boss. It was so the next five or six years, if I needed a little bit of extra money, I could go back and work for him and make a little extra money. But it didn't hinder me from going on into the ministry part-time and then full-time as God asked me to do it. I was ordained when I was 25 years old and I've been pastoring ever since and I'm 73 now so I've been at it for 55 years and uh, I hope I got another 10 or 20. My heart doctor told me the other day, he said if you'll go to the gym instead of three times a week, five times a week, that's what he told me, he said you'll be strong at 85. I said well that sounds pretty, pretty good to me. But I've said all that to say this, You've, I've tried to show you the progression in my life and, of course, there's a lot more to it that I could go in, just a lot of different things that the Lord has had me do and asked me to do. But I've always kept the Lord at the center of whatever is going on in my life. And if you'll do that, wherever you're serving today, your spiritual DNA, what makes you tick, what excites you, what you like to do and enjoy doing in, the, in, in your life, in the natural and the spirit fit very much together. Carpenter work has fit perfectly in my life with ministry. Bus driving. I bus drove for 20 years uh, for the public school. It fits perfectly in with the ministry. We later on developed five buses of our own and hauled hundreds and hundreds of kids uh, for about 15 years uh, to the house of the Lord. I've always hauled kids to church Buses, vehicles, whatever we could get our hands on to bring people to the house of God. It was just part of our ministry and part of our gifting. But I tell you this morning, wherever you are in your life in relationship to the purpose of God and the will of God in your life, and this year is a devotion, so glow in the area and let the fire of God stir in you in the area of ministry that you're in and go for it in God. Just be the best you can be. And God may uh, only have you in certain areas of ministry. If you're a good wife, you are serving God in that capacity, and it's a ministry, how could you replace it? He that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. My wife has had a full-time job looking after me, taking care of me, loving me, encouraging me, bearing children, and now grandchildren we have. And that's a ministry in itself. And sometimes we get all bent out of shape about, oh, what does God want me to do? Just look around. What are you doing? Whether you're a carpenter, a doctor, a lawyer, whether you're a sanitation man, uh, whether you clean the toilets in this church, I don't care what it is you do. The scripture says, whatever you do, do it with all your might and do it as unto the Lord. And if you do, it's ministry. You are actually fulfilling, be a good son, be a good daughter, be a good college student. Whatever, whatever realm of life you're in, whatever your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with joy and gladness for the abundance of all things. And if you do that and put God first in that area of your life, you'll be fruitful, fulfilled, content. Oh yeah, with a lot of trials and persecutions and all of it that goes with it. But there will be a fulfillment in your life that nothing can take the place of. Amen? Amen? 
So I encourage all of you this morning, quit looking for this great big supernatural thing where God's going to come down and lightning bolts are going to flash and it's going to handwriting is going to appear on the wall and say, this is what I want you to do. What's ever in your hand, just do it. Right now, loving this church, all of you that are here, you're making this work go. And every soul that's encouraged, every marriage that's healed, everybody that's touched of the love of God filled with the Holy Spirit, everybody that's growth track and growing in the grace and the knowledge of God, every one of you are a part of it. You celebrate, you'll celebrate in heaven with every one of the souls that have been won through Life Church X on both campuses. Amen. And we need to look at these kind of things and we need to feel good about what we're doing for God and in relationship to the church. Commit yourself to God, to to yourself, to your family. Men, you can do no greater thing than honor, love, respect your family and be the spiritual priest of your home that God wants you to be. You can, there is no higher calling because if we don't have ministry at that level, we won't have ministry at this level. Because our, our church is made up, our campuses are made up of people that love their mates, love their kids, love their grandkids, and are an example to them and a witness to them of the things of God. And this is all what makes a strong church. And I know Pastor Matt is preaching all of these things. He's preaching about the family. He's preaching about you loving God, about you growing in God. I want to talk a little bit about vision. From the beginning of time, vision's been the compass that's guided us in the human race to accomplish great things and progress as we receive momentum from our vision. We are created by God to receive and implement vision. It's his instrument of advancing and advancement in the natural world, in the spiritual world. A vision without a task is but a dream. A task without a vision is drudgery. But a vision and a task is the hope of the world. A blind man's world is bound by the limits of his vision or his touch. An ignorant man's world is limited by his, his knowledge, but a great man's world only by the limits of his vision. Give us clear vision that we may know what to stand for because if we don't know what to stand for, we'll stand for anything. And there's a lot of voices in the world and in the church world and in religion today that would call your name. So we must know clearly where we stand. The Bible makes it clear that we are absolute in need of vision. Vision gives us direction for our future. It gives us guidance for our decisions. Gives us motivation for our daily actions. And gives us hope in our spirits. The benchmark scripture for vision is Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, people are unrestrained. Where there's no vision, people don't prosper as they should. Where there's no vision, the New American Bible says, we are demoralized. In Habakkuk says, write the vision down and make it plain. So he that reads it can run and accomplish what that vision says and what it means. The power of vision, clear vision provides the church with clear direction. Clear vision enables the church to move together. And clear vision is the lifeblood of motivation. It is a fuel that sustains the fire in the hearts of people. It motivates people to give their life, time, finances, 
vision allows people to become involved based not on need, but upon the revelation of a church's direction. And really, what Pastor Matt receives is revelation. The definition of vision is a revelation from God for the will of God at a given point of time. It's revelation. And as he imparts that revelation to us, we receive it in faith and acknowledge the vision, and we began to run. Matt talked about vision last year, and, and this year he's talking about it and using the word devoted, ardently, passionately, dedicated, and loyal to the vision. In the things that he is emphasizing is outreach, this church, our campuses, the younger generation, and there's been more growth in the younger generation this in 2023 than any other place in the church, which is wonderful, as we've already talked about. Growth and development, teaching you the word of God, the revelation of God, imparting to you the truth week after week after week, in keeping the vision in front of you so that you will know how to run and where to run. They're developing on, new online experience and, and, and a lot of new equipment, and thank God for the hour that we live in. I would rather have a real preacher at the pulpit, but sometimes the screen's okay. And the church said, Amen. Ah, it's like it is in Jerseyville down here. You want the live pastor. And <laughs> in, in, in emphasizing the Holy Spirit's presence, the, whole, the Holy Spirit's presence in our services. You know, Moses, after God told him everything he told him, Moses had one request. And this was his request. God... I won't do it if your presence is not going. And without the presence of God, it's a pretty dry run. Amen. Amen. Five purposes of the church, this church, all churches, if they're true churches of Christ. Number one is fellowship. It's what we're doing today. Fellowship is more than a few people in a ship. Fellowship is a communication level, a prayer level, a family level that develops over time where we give our, our prayers to one another, our lives to one another, our finances to one another. We care about one another. And it's a very beautiful level of relationship. And it's what the Lord intended to happen in the church. We become warmer as a church through fellowship. This church is pretty hot. Amen. Your fellowship's good. I got my own private room this morning with my own snacks and my own coffee. Come on. When I walked in these doors this morning, I was treated like a king. Amen. And I'm just a pomper. So thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Pastor Guy. Thank you for your love. Thank you, church. So we need to develop that warmness. And when strangers come in this door, new people come in this door, amen, we just need to cover them with love and our fellowship and reach out and touch them with the love of God. Amen. And if there's not room, we'll build on. Amen. Or we'll start another service. We'll do something, amen, to accommodate. And, when, and discipleship, it's, it's our purpose of our church to, to, to teach people, to instruct people to help people grow in, in their purposes and in their life in the things of God. De we become deeper in our relationship through discipleship. And then worship. How many of you enjoy the singing part of worship this morning and the praise part of worship? Isn't it wonderful to be able to worship the Lord together? It sinks us. It unites us. It strengthens us as an army. Praise is a type of uh, spiritual armor that we put on that we make our warfare with. In, in worship, every aspect of worship, our prayer life, our, our giving to God is all acts of worship to the Lord. And we are a worshiping church. 
And we grow stronger through worship. The strength of God, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And then in ministry, ministering and reaching out and ministering to one another, we become broader through ministry as we reach out and receive ministry ourselves and give it to others. Our testimony. Don't ever let anybody diminish your testimony. It's one of the most powerful things you have in your personal life, what Jesus Christ has done for you. Salvation, healing, Holy Spirit, bringing you the mate that God wanted you to have, blessing you with children, and we can just go on and on and on. But don't, your personal testimony, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And it's very important And people like to hear, what's God done for you? I met an atheist, a young man one time on top of the arch in St. Louis. And I got to talking to him and he said, I'm an atheist. And I said, well, could I share my testimony with you of what God's done for me and why I believe in God? So he was a good listener. So after about a half hour, he just kind of shook his head. And you know what? I don't know if the man ever got saved or not, but I'll tell you what. I give him something to think about that day. I shared my testimony with him. You know, it's not our responsibility to save people. That's God's business. But our responsibility is to share what God has done for us in our personal testimony. And I challenge you young people, because it's a jungle out there. Share what God's done in your life and what God means in your life, and you'll get stronger and stronger and stronger. And you never know who you're going to touch and who you're going to win to the Lord and have an influence on. And then we become larger through evangelism and outreach. And really, you know, the two greatest commandments we have is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, witness the gospel, testify the gospel to every creature. And, you know, if we're active and if we're doing those things, it's going to move heaven and lives are going to change. The church is going to grow. Family's going to grow and we're going to be better. That's my introduction. (laughs) I'm serious. That was it. Look at your neighbor and say, you know what? I'm just in love with Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. He's what it's all about. Amen. Well, I hope this message encourages you this morning. It has me. And um, a thing that I have used all my life, uh, Ernest Gentile, a prophet from San Jose, California, great man of God, he ministered in the circles of City Bible in Portland, Oregon, which is a great church. Uh, Pastor Dick Iverson founded that church and I went out there for years for ministerial training and seminars and encouragement. And Ernest Gentile preached a message one time at Bible Temple uh, before it became City Bible in Portland, Oregon, and I was there. And he preached on how to know the will of God. And I took notes that day, and since then I've preached that sermon probably 50 times, and I've shared it personally with a lot of families and a lot of people over the years. And I'm not going to preach that sermon today, but I am going to share those points with you because it's very, very important. And you need something, some kind of a standard to gauge your life by how do you know the will of God in a particular area that you're dealing with. And number one is the inward witness of the Holy Spirit that's coming to your life. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. The witness of the Holy Spirit in you. There's an inward thing that says, yeah, that's okay. No, that's not okay. Then the Word of God. The revealed Word of God in the Bible. It's God's Word to us. Don't ever do anything that the Word don't say. And if, if you do, you get in trouble with the big boss, and you'll have to go and say, God, please forgive me. Amen? Godly, or, or the third one is peace. The fourth one is godly counsel. The fifth one is circumstantial evidence, things working out as you've prayed and you've asked God, God opening door, God closing doors, prophetic confirmation, number six, and number seven, it's God's provision in an area. 
We wanted to build a new sanctuary in Jerseyville. God sent one man and gave us $265,000 in one gift. And we built the sanctuary. And God blessed it. God does those kind of things. So I encourage you this morning, those, that's just a, kind of a scale in, in things you can use in particular areas to know the will of God or say, you know, not. Don't start at the bottom of the list and go up. Start at the top and go down. Amen? All right. Getting into the word this morning and, and what I want to share with you. We need to be done about 20 after 10, something like that, depending on altar service and so on. Okay, four laws that should govern our lives. The law of purpose, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. The scripture says in Ephesians 5, 17, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of God is. That tells me we absolutely can understand the will of God. Okay? Be not unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. The law of passion, Romans 12, 11, be fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord, devoted. Number three, the law of stewardship, Matthew 25, the parables, and he gave to one five talents, another two talents, and another one talent, and then he told them, take these, and I'm going to be back to see what you've done with them. Jesus said, I will return to receive you unto myself. Amen? So he's coming back to see what we did with the talents and the gifts that he gave us. Okay? And then number four, the law of rewards, Matthew 25 also, what we are is God's gift to us. What we become is our gift to God. Matthew 6, 20, 16, 27 says, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his angels, and then he will reward each man according to his works. So reward is important. But I want to talk to you today about purpose. Purpose is an object to be reached, a target, an aim, a goal, a result that is desired and intention, a result or effect that is intended or desired, determination, resolution, devotion. And I want to share with you this morning five benefits from you knowing the purpose of God and the will of God in your life and as you just walk it out. And I'm speaking from my own personal experience, my relationship with the Holy Spirit, with the Father and the Son. Paul said this communion we have with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are in communion with God through his indwelling spirit and his, his precious word. Number one, knowing your purpose gives meaning to your life. It absolutely gives meaning to your life. We were made to have meaning and purpose in our lives. People try many things to get meaning in their life. I tried many things before I became a Christian, even at a young age. A lot of different things, my plans, my intentions. They try the military, religion, astrology, psychics, careers, vocations, materialism, money, success, positions, relationships, locations. I was witnessing to a young man who I know very, knew very well years and years ago. And he told me one day he was miserable because he was not doing what the Lord wanted him to do. He was very miserable. And he said, I'm going to California. I said, all right. So he went to California. And about a few weeks later, he called me and he said, you know what? Nothing's changed. And I said, no, you can't change locations and change your inside. You've got to give your heart to the Lord and quit running from God. And he did later on. But people try military, school, college, trade school. There's a million and one things people can try to get meaning and purpose in their life. And all of those things are good in right balance. 
Okay? They're all good and right balance. But if, if you don't have the purpose of God and the peace of your creator in your soul, there's going to be a hole in you. There's going to be an emptiness in your life, a, a lack of meaning that you're never going to really find until you say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I want you to reveal to me the purposes, God, that you have created me for and made me for. Without God, life has no real purpose or meaning. And life has no significant hope. In the Bible, many people expressed their hopelessness. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived in Ecclesiastes, I believe after he fell, he said, vanity, vanity, all is vanity said the preacher. Isaiah 49, uh, the NIV says, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Job 7 and 6, my life drags on day by after hopeless day. Job 7, 16, I give up. I'm tired of living. Leave me alone, my life makes no sense. One of the greatest tragedies is not death, but a life without purpose and meaning. Hope is essential to our life as air and water. Hope comes from having a purpose, a purpose from knowing God's will for our lives, general and specific. Scriptures, I know you are familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11. Today's English version says, I know what I'm planning for you. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope and a good future. Ephesians 3, 2, the Living Bible says, God is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. God has given me and you a wonderful life as we just love him and his purposes. He brings meaning to your life. And two, knowing our purpose simplifies our life. It absolutely simplifies your life. How many of you know life can be pretty complex? Pretty crazy at times. It defines a lot of what we do and don't do. God's spirit, word, and principles works like a thermostat in our lives. You know, you got your thermostat on the wall at home, and right now you've probably got it set around 70, 74 to 68. We run ours. My wife freezes me. She runs down, ours down to 62 of a night. She's kind of tight. Amen. <laughs> she runs that baby down to 62, so I bought me an electric blanket. <clears throat> But that thermostat controls, keeps the temperature in your house at a level where you want it within two or three degrees. Well, the Holy Spirit thermostat in your life keeps your temperature in God at an equal level so it don't get too high and don't get too low. But it, it stays pretty much in the middle where God wants you if, you did, or if you're paying attention and will just lo love the Lord and allow him to do it. It automatically adjusts priorities. God's word and spirit becomes the standard you use to evaluate activities and schedules. We ask, does this activity help me fulfill one of God's purposes for my life? Without clear purpose, we have no foundation on which to base our lives. Decisions and choices, allowed time for whatever use our resources for, our purpose helps establish our priority and our choices. People without purpose make choices based on things like circumstances, good or bad, pressure, other people's influence, your mood or your feelings at the time. A lot of people live their lives on a two-dimension plane, the body and the soul, mind, will, and emotions, and that's basically what they base on uh, their decisions on the body and on the soul instead of the spirit. But when God wakes up the spirit and your spirit is alive, God intended that your decisions, choices, 
All of those things be made from the wisdom of the Spirit of God, your human spirit, but influenced by the Spirit of God in your human spirit. And out of that, the Spirit tells the soul what it's going to think, how it's going to act, what it's going to will to do, and the body what to do. It's pretty simple, but I absolutely have found it to be very true. If I listen to my body, I'll get in trouble with God. And sometimes if I listen to my soul, I will get in trouble with God. But if I listen to my spirit, I'll never get in trouble with God. Good preaching, Pastor. (laughs) Those who do not know their purpose try to do much, too much or too little. And it causes stress, fatigue, conflict, frustration, unfulfillment. I encourage you to make a priority list in your life. I made one. I've lived by it pretty much all my Christian life over the years. You make that list. My personal relationship with the Lord, my personal relationship with my wife and my family, my kids and my grandkids. How, my, what is my source of livelihood, my income, which mine was pastoring. So I had it made. I got to do something I really like doing and got paid for it. <clears throat> so that was the third priority. And, uh, the job, and then serving other people, serving the family of God and the church. And then it's down to exercise program and recreation. Pretty simple, really and truly. And if we will allot time and make a priority list and follow that list, we'll always get the things that are most important done and out of the way. And if we don't to get, some of the, to get to some of the other things on the list, so what? And... For 25 to 40 years, I never had to plan for weekends. Never. I knew exactly what I was going to be doing. I was going to be studying. For 25 years, my wife and I took care of our parents on Saturday morning for 25 years. And then I'd study through the week, as well as, you know, it's like you freshen up the night before. Guy, you know what I'm talking about? So I'm sitting here last night after my wife went to bed going over all my notes and thinking and praying and meditating on the Word of God for the sermon today. So we had church two times a week, a nap on Sunday, or two times on Sunday, a nap on Sunday afternoon after our meal. So... I never had to worry about what I was going to do on the weekends, except for vacation once in a great while. And then I said, oh boy, we're free. What are we going to do? We didn't know what to do with ourselves. I say that just to say, we live by priority and principles. And somebody said, well, don't you get tired of that? Not really. If you really believe you're doing the will of God, you believe you're accomplishing great things for God and you're fulfilled. This is good. All right, I see how that went. (laughs) It's impossible to do everything people want you to do. We must learn to say no, and we must learn to say, not now. No, I'm sorry, I can't do that. We all have enough time to do what God wants us to do, and if we'll do it, that's the question. It will lead you to a more manageable, sane life, and a more sane schedule. Proverbs 13.7, the Message Bible. A pretentious, showy life is an empty life. A plain and simple life is a full life. It leads to peace of mind and contentment. Isaiah 26.3, today's English version. You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm and put their trust in you. How many of you want perfect peace? Keep your trust in the Lord and your purpose in the Lord and you'll have peace. Point number three, knowing your purpose focuses your life. It causes us to concentrate our efforts and energy on what's important to us, to God, and and, and to list our priorities out. You become more effective by being selective. It's human nature to be distracted. On minor issues, we sheep wander. Yeah, we, we wander sometimes. Many live their lives in quiet desperation and aimless distraction. 
Many are like a gyroscope, spinning around at a frantic pace, but never going anywhere, wishing they were somebody else and somewhere else. Without clear purpose, you will keep changing directions, jobs, houses, hobbies, toys, habits, relationships, and other externals, but they'll never really fulfill your, solve your problem or fulfill your life. The lack of purpose and meaning to live for. King James, Ephesians 5, 17, be not unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. The Message Bible says, don't live carelessly or unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. The power of focusing can be seen in light. Diffuse light lights the room. Without these lights, we'd be in darkness. But a magnifying glass, as a kid, you can burn a hole in something. You can start a fire. You can, you can have smoke. My son loved to make fires. and He loved playing with a magnifying glass. He'd burn all kinds of things. But then a laser beam, it can cut through steel. So what you do with light and how, how much you focus light de- depends on what you're going to get done. If you want your life to have impact, focus it. And we look at many men and women over the years. I look at Pastor Matt and Katie at what they're accomplishing. It's because they're focused. All of you in this, this campus. You are building a great work, and this is, it is not only going to be a great work, it's already a great work because you are focused fulfilling the will of God in this given area and community. It takes focus. I recently watched a biography about Robert Bruce. He is one of my heroes. Uh, you may not know who Robert Bruce was, but he was a defender of Scotland, and he tried to liberate Scotland six times And he was in this cave, miserable, and had suffered a defeat. And he was looking at the ceiling of this cave. And a little spider, there was a crack that he was watching up there. And there was a little spider trying to get across the crack. Now, this is history. This is not Bible. This is history. But history says, as Robert Bruce watched that little spider, he was inspired. And he said, little spider, if you can get across there, I'm going to try one more time to liberate Scotland. And that little spider... Jumped, finally jumped across that crack and Robert Bruce jumped up and said, you know what? We're going to liberate Scotland. And he did. Amen. Focus. Focus. Great men and women of God. Eleanor Roosevelt, Nancy Reagan, Billy Graham, Charles Stanley, and all of the old timers from the past that created uh, medicine miracles and light miracles and uh, gravity miracles and all the different things, the creations and Ford with the automobile. What, what a, an industrial trans, transition. But they were focused. I've been focused for 55 years on how to encourage the church and help people in God. I've been focused on my family. I've been focused on my wife. I don't want to trade her off. I don't want to get a new one. You know what I tell her? When I've got the best, why would I want something else? We had our 55th anniversary last Thursday. (laughs) Philippians 3.13, New Living Testament. I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking to what lies ahead. Philippians 3.15, let's keep focused on the goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, let's stay focused. The Apostle Paul single-handedly spread the gospel through the entire Roman Empire because he was focused. Point number four, and if you wonder how many I've got, I've got five, and I'm almost done. (laughs) Knowing your purpose motivates your life. Purpose always produces devotion, and passion. Nothing energizes like a clear purpose. On the other hand, passion leaves when you lack purpose. Just getting out of bed becomes a major chore. 
It usually meaningless work, not overwork, that wears us down, saps our strength, and robs us of our joy. George Bernard Shaw wrote these words. This is the true joy of life, being used up for a purpose, recognized by yourself as a mighty one, being a force of nature. Instead of a fervish, selfish little clot of ailment, and grievances complaining that the world will not devote itself to making us happy. Did you get that? Focused. And as we are focused, we accomplish great things for God. In five, knowing our purpose prepares us for eternity. We weren't put on earth to be remembered but to prepare for eternity. What ultimately matters most will not be what others say about your life, but what God says. What people fail to realize, all achievements are eventually surpassed, all records broken, all reputations fade, and the tributes are forgotten. James Dobson. How many of you have heard of James Dobson? Well, Jim Dobson, when he was in college, wanted to win the trophy for tennis championship. And after trying for several years, he did. And later on, he was so glad when that trophy was placed in the school's trophy cabinet. But years later, somebody mailed him that trophy. They had found it in the trash. (laughs) And they told him, Jim, the school was being remodeled and they throw your trophy out in the trash. So he got, he got his trophy back, but Jim said this, given enough time, all your trophies will be trashed by someone. I trashed my own by accident. I had one from the eighth grade and one from high school from track and basketball, and I built me a little shelf, and they fell off and broke. <laughs> I trashed my own trophies. Living to create an earthly legacy is okay, But if it's just earthly, it'll be a short-sighted goal. A wiser use of time is to build an eternal legacy for God. One day we will stand before God and he will do an audit of our life, a final exam before you enter eternity. The Bible said in Romans 14, remember, each of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of Christ. Each of us will have to give a, a personal account to God. Looky here, I've only got one page left. <clears throat> God wants us to pass this test, so he has given us the questions in advance. From the Bible, we can summarize, God will ask us two crucial questions. Number one, what did you do with my gift, my son, Jesus Christ? What did you do with Jesus God won't ask you about your religion, your background, your doctrinal views. The only thing that will matter is, did you accept Jesus? Did you learn to love and trust him? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the second question will be, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with your life, your gifts, your talents, your opportunities, your energy, your relationships, resources that God gave you? Did you use them for the purpose God made you for? The first choice will determine where you spend eternity. And the second choice will determine what you will do in eternity. 